trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroots Ohio Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with James Quilligan and Greg Pace. They are leaders with the organization called Economic Democracy Advocates. James Quilligan has been an analyst and administrator in the field of international development since 1975. He has served as policy advisor and writer for many international politicians and leaders, including Pierre Trudeau, Francois Mitterrand, Julius Neyer, Olaf Palm, Willy Brandt, Jimmy Carter, and Prince El Hassan. He has been a monetary consultant for government agencies in Mexico, Argentina, Ecuador, Brazil, Bolivia, Great Britain, the Netherlands, Belgium, France, Portugal, Germany, and many, many more, the United States, including. In addition, James Quilligan has served as an advisor for many United Nations programs and international organizations. He is presently managing director of Economic Democracy Advocates. Greg Pace began his advocacy in 2005, studying the peak oil phenomenon with the Central Ohio Relocalization Effort, or CORE. In 2008, he attended the Convention for the Global Commons in Berlin, Germany as his focus became centered around commons-based solutions for resource management. As the hydrofracking boom came into Ohio in 2011, Greg became involved with holding the industry accountable in Ohio and eventually joined me, Carolyn Harding, in helping to create Columbus Community Bill of Rights, where he remains as webmaster and treasurer. In 2019, Greg also became part of the executive committee as treasurer of Economic Democracy Advocates, where he also engaged with the state legislation team. He has been active in educating local high school students on sex trafficking through Sacred Hope International, as well as being a member of the Friends Committee on National Legislation, Central Ohio Advocacy Team, where members of Congress are lobbied for issues this group, Friends Committee on National Legislation, selects each year to focus on. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio today. Thank you for taking the time. Now, I've been working with Greg Pace for about 10 years, and we've worked on Radioactive Waste Alert, raising awareness about the fracking issue, creating four ballot initiatives to help citizens of Columbus stop radioactive waste from the fracking industry from being dumped in our watershed. And he most recently helped me with my campaign as my treasurer when I ran for state rep. James, I've heard about you through Greg. And I understand that you're having a big symposium coming up in October, October 22. One thing that keeps coming up is the concept of the commons. And I would like you to give our listeners an idea of what the commons is. Well, the commons are a very ancient way of seeing the world. And long before there were formal governments or there was a marketplace, Um, We still needed resources, but we treated them very differently. We didn't have prices on things at one point in history, uh, nor did we have, uh, as I say, uh, states or governments um, managing those resources on our behalf. So um, it's another way of seeing the world. And in one way, it's very ontological, meaning it has a, 
a kind of existential quality to seeing the commons. In other words, if you just looked at the world and you didn't have the idea that there were boundaries, political boundaries, or um, prices on things, uh, and just look at the um, resources that you have for, uh, in terms of their own value uh, to people, that's really what the commons is all about. Greg, what's your perspective of the commons? Basically what uh, well, James said, he said it very well. Uh, when I joined the Columbus Community Bill of Rights, when I joined the, this whole movement, that, that was really, I thought that was a real commons-based approach because they're all about participatory democracy and uh, getting citizen legislation to, to get our resource rules that we need that we don't have. And that that's a, a big part of how I see it as well. It's just, uh, uh, it's the resources, but it's also the people who use the resources, you would call them stakeholders, who um, have rights and the economic democracy is all about, um, you know, the, the, the real stakeholders who need these resources to be able to manage them, to self, self-govern and manage our resources. And of course, we don't have a very strong uh, uh, situation with that in our world today. And that's, that's what we're trying to get more towards. In my perspective of commons, I would think <clears throat> it's like all these resources that we have in our country, in the world, it's kind of like divvying it out and making sure everyone is covered and not just making it localized. And is that wrong? I'm, I'm Because there's a big, huge push towards local versus global. So how does the commons fit into local and global? Well, that's exactly right. Um, we can't really have a commons on an international scale until we first have it on a local scale. So we, yeah, we've made commons of um, Antarctica, and um, the and we're trying to make a commons of the international atmosphere through the climate treaties. We do have um, commons based on the international law of the seas, where there are free spaces in, in the oceans. But effectively speaking, the most important thing to do is to focus in our own backyard, in our own communities, neighborhoods, um, regions. And if we were to do that and build out the cultural roots of the commons from the indigenous indigenous people who used to live where we are now and understand uh, some of the more progressive historical movements to manage commons. Um, and as Greg said, self-organize those commons. That's how we're going to uh, be able to build it out locally. And then eventually maybe the global system will catch up. But it won't happen until people engage with this at the local levels and really begin to scale it up. So how is the farmer in Morrow County or the IT student at Ohio State or someone who has a mom and pop business up in Toledo? Why would they and why should they be interested in this concept of economic democracy and or the commons? Well, you alluded to the fact that the resources need to be divvied up, meaning they need to be addressed fairly. But also the other component is that they need to be sustainable. And at the moment, we're not doing either uh, guaranteeing equality or sustainability. So 
as people uh, see the, the prices of their goods go up and they're wondering, well, that's just inflation and that's a cyclical thing. It's my view of it is, and we have the data to show this, is that um, it's cyclical for a while and then it goes through a period of overshoot where people are consuming more than the planet actually has to offer as resources for our consumption. And we're at that stage now. It's because of higher population. It's because of diminishing non-renewable resources. And it's because of our uh, economic system, which promotes more and more consumption. So um, people will be concerned eventually. And the, the higher prices that we're, we are uh, witnessing now will not go away. They will continue to escalate. And so that's an indicator that something's wrong. And the commons provides another kind of indicator. So there's an index for the commons, which is called carrying capacity. And that's one of the things that our organization specializes in is providing that valuation to people who are interested. I looked at your website. Can you tell folks what your website is? Yeah, Greg, what's your address, your website address? Oh, I'm sorry. It's www.sustaineda.org. The word sustaineeda, all one word, .org. I noticed that there were three main components that you were working on, and that was water, food systems, and legislation. And you address it in many different ways, in educational aspects and in research and in legislation. So can you talk about your mission and your objective and how you're going to accomplish this? I can say yeah. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, go ahead, James. I don't want to interrupt you. No, we, um, we think that all those components are very important. Um, we, we do have an educational side. We have an advocacy side, research uh, component, as well as um, uh, making yearly legislation in the state legislatures more um, known to people across the United States so that they can, um, we're uh, steering them toward bills in their legislatures, which we think um, are advancing the interests of equality and sustainability. And so we do cover three areas, food, water, and energy. And those are the, the things we are most focused on. And that's what shows up in our work. Um, the second part of this is that we really think that <clears throat> people are rather cynical about democracy these days. And for good reason, um, politicians are just not delivering for us. But we still believe in democracy. And that's why we believe in going through the system to be able to um, get legislators to um, understand that uh, our commons, our individual resources that we need to thrive and uh, survive and uh, they're, um, they're in jeopardy. Uh, we're witnessing a global struggle for resources right now, which um, is only going to get worse as the uh, economic and, and uh, social conditions and environmental conditions uh, get worse. And so uh, now's the time to make a big change. And we if we lose the democracy aspect of this, we'll lose our completely lose our ability to self-organize 
our resources. And that would be a grave danger for everyone. Yeah, as I noticed at the website, it seemed like you were very organized and thorough, and you were in for the long game. And I would like to ask what kind of people are drawn to working with your organization? What, what kind of, um, are they a vast variety or are there more research type folks, more people that like to lobby? Because it looks like you have a strong lobbying effort as well and training for folks to go in and talk with their legislators. But you also have a strong group of research. It's quite organized. And it kind of came across to me like how Alec is almost, a you know, a, a, in a very, very negative way in my perspective, how they affect our um, lawmakers. But you're an organization that's very organized in helping maybe teach um, legislators about how important our water is, our food systems are, and how um, all these resources are important. And so you're organized. How can people get involved and how can they, you know, take part? Greg, you want to address that? Well, that's our, our conference on October 22nd. We're hoping to get a lot of people just to join as members so that they can see what we're doing. And then they can, if they want to get involved more, they can in many different ways. We have active members who actually join our teams or are somewhat involved with our different teams. We've got the teams like the advocacy team, which we want to self-organize around the country in different states so that people can actually form advocacy teams like we do here in Ohio. We visit the state house when we have bills that we want to focus on. That's exactly the same thing with, that our advocacy team wants to do, but we want to do it in different states around the country where there's important legislations, especially right now on water. And of course, water, food, and energy, they're all three really, really important areas of resources. They're all issues in themselves, but they're they're all connected. In Ohio, I was just looking looking at it on our website and our state legislation uh, page at our website, we actually use Bill Track 50 for this, but uh, we have uh, the community solar bill, HB 450 in the Ohio State House, which is actually a Republican bill, which I think is really is really something. But they wanna you know, focus on, especially on brownfields and so forth to open up community solar for that. So we can get some community solar legislation in Ohio. But you know, these are the types of legislations that advocacy that we want people to visit their state houses to promote. And, uh, and we've also got the education aspect which is you know, connected with the advocacy to make sure that people understand exactly what we're about, the issues we have and why we have the issues that we have and the way that we're doing them that we are with the commons, with carrying capacity. Another thing we call bioregionalism or bioregional areas, which is different than political areas, it has to do more with resources. Then we also have the research team which is doing some incredible work right now. And James, you could probably talk more, a little more about the research team than I can. You're involved with that, and I'm not really involved with it. Uh, but we, but these, these are kind of the three major areas that we're focused in. And uh, when people come on, they can see them. If they want to get involved, they can. If they want to donate, we need money, of course, for these research, especially. And uh, we have a newsletter. People can join our newsletter every month uh, to to see what we're doing month by month. And uh, James, is the research team something you want to talk a little more about? 
Sure. Economics, generally speaking, studies people's uses of resources, and that's how uh, prices are generated. We're interested in that, but we're also interested in, rather than just the uses, we're interested in people's needs for resources. And now we're getting into a different area. It's not about use, it's about the physiology of the body for um, how much water do you need a day? How much food do you need every day? And if you calculate that into um, uh, a new kind of index, you come up with a completely different value system to um, measure the value of these resources that we need. And so if that comes first in economics, then we think that um, the distribution of resources will take on a com completely different component. Uh, it would be seen very differently because uh, we'll be able to create more automatic mechanisms to make sure that those resources are distributed. Once we understand that there's no price barrier, it's all based on their equitability and sustainability for delivery. So um, it really, really takes the focus over what has been traditionally known as supply-side economics, meaning the idea that supply, supply will, uh, fo will follow its own demand. This is different. This is saying that demand is in control. Demand for resources, or actually our need for resources, is more important, or at least equally important, as the supply of resources. So it takes the ideology away from the present market system to say that supply is more important than demand, which is why we have social poverty, because uh, demand essentially means that people don't have enough income to buy the things that they need. Now, under uh, a new kind of framework where demand is at least as important as supply, the balance of power will shift more to the need side. And the problem is it doesn't have its own index. That's what we're trying to create. And how can you shift that um, philosophy or economic theory or philosophy to our legislators and to the general public? Well, first, we need proof of concept. And so we're, the re, our research team is uh, actually showing uh, what this index looks like and how different it is from prices of resources. And then secondly, um, it's about advocating with our uh, legislators to um, inform them that uh, <clears throat> either they're on the right track or the wrong track, and sometimes they're on the right track for the wrong reasons. And so what we're trying to do is say, look, you've sponsored that bill, and there's a little bit more information we'd like to give you about that, uh, because if you only knew the carrying capacity of your district, you might be surprised to know that um, you're um, <clears throat> exceeding your carrying capacity for water, let's say, okay. and you're not going to be able to support this region in another 15 years. And so those are the kinds of things that we can, uh, the kinds of information that we can provide to people to, um, to get them to understand a little bit more about uh, what the stakes are and what the risks are and what the opportunities are for managing their resources. So are you doing the carrying capacity measurements for water, for the food systems, and for energy? Yes. We're doing a, a, um, a carrying capacity study, a very 
intensive one for the Memphis Sand Aquifer, which is the uh, huge body of water that underlies Memphis, uh, Tennessee, but also much of the rest of the area. And uh, it's very interesting because, um, because it's not being managed effectively. In fact, it's not being managed at all. Mm-hmm. People are pumping the water out of the ground with no idea of how much water is really under, under there and how much uh, it needs to be recharged and no uh, specific appreciation that, um, you know, in some of the recharge zones, toxic chemicals are getting into that. And that means that the, those chemicals will go underground and mix with the water that eventually we're pumping out. It's a very dangerous situation. And there's a lot of misunderstanding in the field. Um, and we're trying to use hydrology and hydrogeology as well as uh, social principles to bring that all together so that people can create a water budget that really makes sense and not and that we're not over pumping and over consuming those resources. Well, I did a show on the Mission Doe Aquifer and the fight the folks up there are dealing with like a um, factory farm salmon farm that wants to come in and pump out millions of gallons of water daily. And then Greg, um, we all of us in central Ohio know about the Intel factory that's coming in to um, New Albany area. And supposedly they're going to be extracting 5 million gallons of water uh, a day. And um, Greg, do you have any insight on that one, on the Intel? On the Intel, uh, not much more. I just, I've read a little bit on it. Uh, at the 5 million gallons a day, I think it's more than twice as much as anybody has ever given tried to take out any other industry. So it's, it's way up there. One thing I wanted to say um, is with our white paper that we're gonna be coming out with, with the Columbus Community Bill of Rights and our uh, 501c3, the Columbus Community Rights Coalition, we're, we're kind of along the same lines of, of, of concern because we're concerned about Columbus's public water system and, and contamination from oil and gas, which is actually happening in our watershed that we get our water, mainly surface water from. So anytime there's a spill or if, if there's a, some kind of a leakage, then we've got a problem with our reservoirs. But uh, the, the carrying capacity is a little bit beyond what we're going to in our white paper, but it's really important because we're, we're trying to kind of get towards carrying capacity with that because we're trying to demonstrate to people that to understand our water system and to understand why we don't want things to happen because if we lose our water, then we're gonna have a real problem. And uh, uh, carrying capacity is not just about, you know, losing your whole water source, but it's just about um, how much you can use and how much is available to who it's available. And, you know, the, the report that James was talking about, the social aspect, we're really getting into a lot of the social aspects, the demographics of water use, like James said, the, the energy use in our bodies, you know, how much we need and how much is available in different parts of the population in Memphis and so forth. So it's get, just getting into those areas. Okay, to, get, to gather the carrying capacity would require, I think, a lot of allies and um, scientific allies to help create this, this quantity, this number. Um, what are some of these organizations that you are working with? Well, we're... We're partnering with a number of organizations, but if you look at it, um, you know, there are a lot of folks that are really interested in tracking, for example, the amount of water that's under the ground. 
which has really not done been done effectively before. Um, so, you know, eventually, I mean, right now, uh, NASA is starting to look at this. Um, and a lot of people um, in the business world are beginning to look at it for different reasons. They think that this money has a price or this, the, these ecosystem services have their own price. And they want to be able to capture that. So that then they, begin, they know that there are shortages coming up. They want to begin to sell it off and own it so that they you know, can make some money. It's a little bit like Nestle, only it's much worse. Because in the case of Nestle, they don't own the aquifer. But um, that you know, the danger is that somebody would want to come in and try to buy up an aquifer and then parcel it out. Um, so particular partners involve um, those in the... Uh, area of social impact who want to invest in these kinds of things, but also um, <clears throat> people who are just interested in a new kind of economics who understand that the GDP is not measuring our nat natural asset value, the value, the real value of our of nature and the things that we use and need, and so. Um, we, you know, there are a lot of people really interested in this from different areas and different perspectives who are discovering us and joining us. Um, Greg, and can you give us information again about this workshop that's happening on October 22? No, October 22nd, and um, you can go onto our website, sustaineda.org, and uh, see, we have a register page, I think it's on the Front page, James, I think on our web front page of our website, we've got a, uh, pretty sure we've got a thing to join it. And I'm trying to look here. Yeah, this is, um, this. what's coming up is our um, sixth annual conference on October 22nd. And we are, um, we have some amazing speakers. We have William Reese, who is the creator of the Global Ecological Footprint. He's uh, well known across the world. We also have David Bollier, who's sort of the godfather of the commons movement. Um, he's going to be joining us uh, for, uh, to give us a, um, a talk about uh, revaluing our commons. And we have uh, other special guests. We have a, a representative who's the managing director of Protect Our Aquifer in Memphis, referring to the Memphis Sand Aquifer. We have another woman who does um, block level planning in Portugal, meaning that she's uh, tracking the carrying capacity of neighborhoods. Mm. And so there are a lot of people involved in this kind of stuff. And we're trying to showcase different partners across the world who are actively involved in, in this kind of um, methodology and practice. Can our listeners, if they're in other countries, can they tune in? Um, is it going to be online? And um, what yes. time does it start? It starts at, uh, it's going to be online. It starts at 1 p.m. on October 22nd, Eastern Time, 1 p.m. until, uh, I believe, 5 p.m. But I was trying to find it on the website. If you go to sustaineda.org, and the main page on the menu, there's a Get Involved a tab on the menu, and then under there is Events. You go to Events, and then you can find it. Okay, excellent. All right, I think this is a very important symposium um, or conference to attend. For anybody who's interested in economics and who's interested in our water, our food systems, our energy systems, sounds like uh, some of the best leaders in this movement are going to be at this workshop. I wanna thank you both for joining us today for Grassroot Ohio 
And um, we will make sure that your website is on our social media and we will promote this widely. Thank you again. Thank you, Carolyn. In addition to our Friday night, 5 p.m. broadcasts on WGRN, we are now broadcasting on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRSFM.org. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.